And we are live with another episode of the Peaky Pod by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario, alongside Zachary, your What's other up, host. Zach? What's up, Zach? What's up? Hey. What is up? Guess what, Zach? What? It's a drinking episode. It is a drinking episode. Finally, this, for the first time in the season. Is it the first one of the season? I think it's the, I mean, he had like a little bit of wine in the last episode. Oh, because Tommy's drinking. I was talking about because we're drinking. Oh. <laughs> well, now it's awkward. I think he yeah. was drinking last episode. He he had some wine, I, I know, at the very least. This is, no, I, I've been I've been having a little bit for our episodes, or pre-gaming, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, this one was called The Road to Hell. It is the, what do you call it, penultimate episode? Is that the word? I don't know. Well, I, I'm Jimmy, not sure can, you, can you have Jimmy look it up real quick? Penultimate definition? Penultimate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um second best episode of the season. Last but one in a series of things, second to last. There you go, second to last, penultimate. It is the penultimate episode of the Peaky Blinders period. And honestly, I'm surprised that once again in this episode there's a lot to cover yeah. in the in the finale. I don't know how they're going to have enough time in this finale to get it all done because not a single enemy is vanquished nothing it, it's gotten it, i mean it's almost gotten worse some things some well things. I, well the road it's called the road to hell and the road to hell is paved with good intentions so could that be something for foreshadowing a darker end for tommy he has good intentions but is he gonna just yeah. end up going down to hell because there's times of this episode where it sure seems that he's kind of like I'm kind of fighting uh, against the tide or I'm fighting an uphill battle here, mm-hmm. you know, trying to fight my inner desires. And um, would life just be a lot easier for him if he just kind of succumbed to his his worst dark side possible? Yeah. You never know. You you, you could take the uh, lighter idea of this and think that maybe the title just applies to Hayden. I'm sorry, not Hayden Stag. applies to Billy Grade here. He's been bloodied. I don't now they, think now that they can't they would, let him into heaven. I don't think that they would centralize Billy Grade like that. Although I don't think I so see what either. you're saying, and I, I see multiple themes here with hell and the road to hell mm-hmm. and whatnot. Think about it. You have Tommy, you know, pretty much going down the pipe of like the evil secret society. You got yeah. uh young Duke, who I'm very glad they brought into this episode. We'll talk about him more in this uh in this recap pod, uh, I'm very glad about that. But you see that he's now kind of like, you know, he's the veil has been lifted about the glamour behind Tommy's wealth, right? It's yeah. rooted in a lot of evil. Mm-hmm. You got Billy Grade, who was already on the road to hell, pretty much. <laughs> he was enjoying the life without getting his hands dirty for the most part. Yeah. Um, and I can't think of any others at the moment, but those three popped to mind. Mm-hmm. And then you got a very, you know, the same old religious thing with Linda yep. and Arthur, you know, so. You know, Lin- I feel like in want. this episode, well, I mean, this is the first one we've ever seen Linda in this season, but she feels to me like she's gone back to the original Linda. I was, we'll talk more about this, but I was <laughs> disappointed in the dynamic between Linda and Arthur again, but we'll, we'll get into that. Like if this is where Arthur ends, we'll, let's just talk about this later. All right. Shall we get into the recap here? We shall. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a Rough Riders rye oh, whiskey. Oh, you too. All right. I, I've got the rye, though. I have a feeling you've got the bourbon. 
I am drinking Rough Rider Straight Bourbon Whiskey. This podcast is not sponsored by Rough Riders, but if you would like to sponsor us. Hear that? Did we'll you hear that it. pop in the mic? Did you hear that? No, I didn't. You got to yeah, get it closer. Get it closer. Oh, Come on. Oh, I right, hear it. I hope it comes through. It'll come through. It'll come it's through. a great pop. And a little bit more for the show. Here's uh, here's some ice on my cup. <laughs> there you go. So, hey, we're uh, going to the midnight, the midnight Exchange routes here. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's get this pod started. Uh, thank you again for tuning in. And let's get into it. All right. So, I know what you were thinking when we get that rock and roll intro to this episode. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking finally, all right, enough of the depressing shit of the last two episodes. Give me some rock and roll. And we got Tommy walking through. It's got to be the same road that he's walked down all those other seasons, but we're far more, um, it's far more industrialized now. It's far more developed right it's probably the same road but we're back tommy walking down the road with his bag in his hand and what song is this is it another nick cave no i don't think it is i meant to look it up it was something let me see if this will even tell me i don't know it's just great i love i love the way it sounds it's so gritty yeah and he's heading down to the opium den of Mm -hmm. uh the one that arthur continues to terrorize like these people must hate arthur I gotta lower the volume on this. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't. it's, it's too distracting. distracting. <laughs> but such but, a good song, though. <laughs> or just like you hear me, just kind of getting lost in the song. It's that yeah. it's that tight. Start bobbing your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, Tommy's actually getting his hands dirty himself, and it seems like no matter how high and mighty Tommy is, unless he gets involved in a situation, it doesn't truly go away. Yeah. And so here he's come to send a message to the opium den that there shall be no more opium dens in mm-hmm. all of Birmingham and whatever the other location he said. But uh, he brings a bomb in his bag, kind of a callback to perhaps my favorite all-time peaky scene, which is oh, yeah? when he takes the grenade into Alfie Solomon's shop. That was a great one. Yeah. And you got Aldi freaking out. I must say, because of Alfie, the Alfie, he tied his shoe, Alfie. He tied his shoe. <laughs> he did tie his shoe. Molly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so good. He's so also good. kind of got some James Bond vibes here, too, with the ticking time bone. Just You think so? A little I, bit. I thought, I thought that if he would have spoken Mandarin in the scene, then it would have been like, all right, enough. What did he learn <laughs> French? And Mandarin. I'm so glad he didn't speak Mandarin or whatever language yeah. you're speaking here. I think it's Mandarin. Because um, I would have been like, it's just too much. It's too much. He's like, too skilled. Yeah, what does he have, Duolingo back in 1935? <laughs> like, come on. Absolutely. Yeah. I like the uh, the wife of the owner here. She's, it's inter- she looks like she's like shaking and nervous, but then she goes from this to like really firmly believing that the bomb is not real. Yeah, but but notice notice she's really the most tough when he leaves the store. Like, mm-hmm. it's still that element of, but if he's not kidding. Yeah. And no. um, part of me wonders, like, when Tommy leaves the shop, because really the, the message here is that he does not want opium sent. If Arthur can't get clean, mm-hmm. it's good that his brother controls all of the opium in the area that Arthur could get opium from yeah. so that he could literally just cut the supply. Because if you see in this episode, Arthur's probably the cleanest he's been all season. And yeah. I'm thinking to myself, like, where did this willpower come from? And I'm like... It's not willpower. His brother controls the opium trade in the entire city. So, might as well, if you cut it off completely, 
There's no way for him to get it. There's no way to get it, so you have to be clean. And if you see in this episode, Arthur's heavy into the drink again. Uh, he is. But know. look, Arthur on, on whiskey and Arthur on cocaine is much Two better than Arthur people. on opium. But you used to like <laughs> cocaine, Arthur. I love cocaine, Arthur. I'm saying that's <laughs> that's good. Like It's much different than, his op- than opium, Arthur. We need, t- we need t-shirts cocaine arthur <laughs> yeah, i yeah. will make some for us that is awesome. appreciate it appreciate yeah it. you got it um i like the fact that tommy's essentially just taking a stand here although mm-hmm. he's cutting his own veins in a sense because i'm sure the opium trade is very lucrative for him oh i would imagine so he's also seen the direct impact of the effects it can have on his loved ones and as he's many times said before he needs his brother mm-hmm I like how Tommy still walks calmly after throwing that bomb in the water. Oh, I would have started running or something. Oh, shit. Five seconds. I'd love to see like another take like where he's actually freaking out and running <laughs> to the bridge. But you can't have that with Tommy Shelby. No, ever, that would be hilarious. All right. So we get another uh, dolly zoom there under the bridge. Yeah. Is there some sort of similarity? Because I, I saw it in some of your notes. You mentioned the Dutch angle that they use here. And I do think that every time they use, if you can describe what a Dutch angle is for the audience. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think every time they use it, it's because something's not quite right, either with the character or the situation or somebody's not completely in control. Precisely. And I think that's typically why you would use the Dutch angle, which for those who don't know what a Dutch angle is, it's basically just taking the frame and tilting it to one side a bit. It can be extreme or it could be not so extreme. But it is pretty noticeable whenever it's used. Yeah, it it is pretty noticeable. You see it a lot with Linda um, in a lot of her scenes in previous seasons, uh, specifically season five. All right, so next scene after the opium den, Tommy has an early meeting with with the Chinese people at the opium den, and it's followed up with a family meeting. Mm -hmm. Now... I'm not the biggest fan of these family meetings because you get all these extra players in there, but we finally see Finn for, for the once. first time that's not a funeral. And doesn't have any any words. Oh, he doesn't say anything here, right? I don't think he says anything at all in this entire scene. Like, all right. at, at all. He, here's he does my, talk later in the episode, but yeah. not here. Here's my running theory with Finn here. I think they were like, how can we get Finn out of the series without making it obvious that we're getting him out of the series and without killing him. Mm-hmm. I think they were like, what if we just marry him off and it'll pretend like it was like a honeymoon scenario, you know, because that's <laughs> kind of like believable yeah, it's in believable. some sense, right? All of this happened relatively quickly, right? His new wife, Mary, doesn't say anything either, does she? No, she doesn't say anything. They just sit there and smile like a bunch of two yeah. people sitting in a chair smiling. Yeah, I mean, look, you got to follow what the script says, right? Now, yeah. in this scene with the family meeting, they f- did something that I was so happy. They introduced Duke mm-hmm. Erasmus, is his name? What's his? Erasmus, something along those lines. Erasmus. I cannot yeah. remember his name. Erasmus, I believe it was. But um, I'm so glad they brought in Tommy's bastard son in this episode because is that cr- politically correct to call him the bastard son? Because he really is he the bastard He didn't have son. a father, yes. I guess he's technically, I mean. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, he does have a father. I guess he's technically a bastard. Yeah, but he is wasn't it, there. Isn't a bastard just like a child you have out, like out of wedlock? Something like that. I guess all it's, of it's, it's It's when, when there's not a, the father's not there, generally. Well, he wasn't there for a while, so let's just call him, uh, let's call him Duke for now. But Duke look, I'm bastard. glad they brought Duke in. 
now because it would have been too much to do in the last episode to just bring in this whole mm. new son storyline. Just get it out of the way now. Introduce him. I like the kid, honestly. He's more interesting than most of the... Uh, oh, yeah. Right? You'd He's say, much more interesting than Finn. Yeah. I'm actually interested you, in him. Do you notice there's a couple of people in this room who are highly offended at the presence of Duke here? And Finn is one of them, mm-hmm. as well as Lizzie, Lizzie. who I, I think selfishly here is thinking about where does this leave Charles if this now this older son comes into the picture, who Tommy is, is taking under the wing. And he obviously sees himself in the kid. Yeah. And the kid damn well looks like he could be his son, to be honest with you. They do they do have very similar looks, but he also has a lot of Tommy's personality. Like I imagine if Tommy were younger, aside from probably being a little bit more violent. Uh I don't think Tommy would have been violent. I think really he would have been a lot like this kid. I don't but know. But I think this I, mean, I think this got, kid is Arthur. even more Well remember, you hold on. Your father. If you I've heard I've heard a lot of interviews with Killian and the writer of the show and they always talk about there's, there's two Tommies, before the war Pre-war and after the and war. Post-war. Yeah, and they say that before the war he was smiling and laughing all the time. Mm. So he was a different person altogether, which is you get more of a sense of that if you go back and rewatch the first season and then follow along with our recap episodes of the first season. Mm-hmm. That you would see these traits more of Tommy. You know, and on my forty fifth watch of the first season, <laughs> I started to notice them more gradually. <laughs> Now, there's a bit of exposition here about Duke where you have a scene with Arthur who mm-hmm. looks actually put together Normal. for the first time, right? Yeah, I was super happy to see Arthur looking like this. I felt like we finally got him back. Yeah. Something's still a little like, he's not fully there. He's not the Arthur I remember, but he's much closer to the Arthur I remember. Yeah, he's getting there. I don't know if he'll ever get back there because we, we also don't get the Tommy that we're so accustomed to seeing either. But yeah. Ar- Arthur's already taken kindly to the kid. Oh, yeah. And um, I think he sees his, his br- younger brother in the kid as well, honestly. so uh, He's a good pickpocket. There's different ways, yeah, he, he pickpockets Arthur's uh, watch, which is kind of like a very forced interaction between the two of them in the, in yeah. the writing. But it's needed because you only got two episodes, so you got to have something to show you a little bit about that this kid outwits his opponent, even though they're tougher than him or stronger mm-hmm. than him or more intimidating or whatever. Yeah. Um, in the next scene, we get another one of Tommy's, I don't know why Tommy always is meeting in church, but I guess this time it's actually appropriate. Yeah, this one is, I guess he, it's a, it's a place of peace. You can, uh, does he meet like everybody in church? No, I don't think so. I mean, Polly, but I mean, he met, uh, Polly, Grace, the house Campbell, the first episode. Polly Grace Campbell, Jack Nelson, the the priest. Um, he meets a, a ton of people in a church. Yeah. And for for someone who doesn't believe in God, although he does. He's uh, a Catholic. He is he a Catholic? I mean, Arthur was a Catholic, so I'm assuming Tommy was also a Catholic. I'm always kind of you know you always kind of get this sense with Tommy that he's searching for something more behind mm-hmm. all of his nefarious plottings. But every time he comes into an encounter with someone of faith, yeah, he always like is on to them or wondering or cynical that they're after his money. And he's mm-hmm. always proven correct that they're after his money in every yeah. single one of these encounters. He has not met, like, I don't think he's met a single person who's ever not proven his worst instincts correct. No, I don't think he has. I mean, he's in every season and every episode up until... 
the last episode of the last season, I think Tommy's basically always gotten his way. What he's always yeah. thought is always what has happened. Well, he calls a spade a spade here because in this scene, he's just trying to get Arthur back in the fold. And uh, in doing so, he offers Linda about 10,000 pounds for her foundation. Mm-hmm. And Linda obliges. It's like a copy paste of Linda's character from previous seasons before she yeah. started doing coke. This is like the previous pious Quaker Linda, right? Yeah. This, 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 like I was saying, this Linda reminds me of Linda when we first were introduced to her. The super Christianese Linda, who was just really blunt. And, you know, she, uh, she has her way. She does, she does God's will. Hey, I, I mean, I've never been a big fan of Linda. I don't think either of us have. I'm not sure anybody mm-hmm. who watched the show. The actress does a fantastic job. No, she's great. I mean, she kills it, but it. she's always, she's actually useful now. So I'm very happy to see her back because if that means we get Arthur back, please give happy. me Linda. Give me like 20 minutes of Linda <laughs> if I have to. All right. Uh, At the Liverpool docks, right. Tommy, right. Tommy proves my assertion correct here. Now, did I... Bet a bottle of uh, no, whiskey that not. Stag would not no, be you, an enemy. You bet a bottle of whiskey that he would be Capone, or that oh, at least that Al Capone right. would come. Don't in. remind me. Don't remind <laughs> me. Yeah, I was close. <laughs> I was you close. got the right character, just the wrong real person he, in reality. He would be a game-changing ally, but not the ally mm-hmm. from Chicago. Yeah. Um, so close. He's such a. I look at Stephen Graham. I, I believe his name is the actor. Mm-hmm. And you watch his composure in a scene, and he's an, he's a complete equal with Killian Murphy when it comes to acting. Just look at like just their dynamic. He's so yeah. in his he embodies a character in such a natural way, especially this mm-hmm. character that there's very few actors who kind of like just in their with their mere performance, you just know that they're going to be important or that they they have a role to play. And you just knew it from the moment that they introduced him in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. But um, it turns out that Tommy actually appreciated the talk he gave to Arthur. Yeah. And um, I believe Stag is going to be an ally. He's somebody who who is willing to call a spade a spade and call Tommy out on his shit and mm-hmm. call Arthur out on his shit, even if it means risking his life. So um, in that sense, you, you're it's cool to see the Avengers assembling in some sense here, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like... Tommy needs some allies too. He's he's creating a lot of enemies and he doesn't seem to have a lot of allies on the backside. Yeah. I'm just wondering how far they're going to take this thing with Hayden Stagg, right? Because his his role here, even though he does seem like he's becoming an ally uh, for, you know, Tommy and the Peaky Blinders, the only thing that we've seen that Tommy's asked him to do is basically store some guns and ammunition and unload well, it. Well, he, he right? wants him to, he's in a, he's thinking about moving his whole import export business to Liverpool as the main That's dock. That's true. And he wants Stag to be in charge of that, which means that Stag will be in charge of the contraband, which means that Stag needs to be paid well. Now, my first assumption of Stag was he was a power hungry person when he talked to Arthur. Mm-hmm. I think I was wrong about that. I don't see that from his character much, much at all. I think, I think he's willing to play ball with Tommy, but at the same time also knows that he has his limits of what he's willing to do or um, what he wants to pursue. But Mm -hmm. like the Shelby brothers, he also served in the military. And it seems that they always have a connection with those who who serve, except for the guy later in the episode who's a referee and served in France as well. He didn't get the same treatment. No, he did not. 
Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, I like uh, Tommy's little explanation of why he always does this. Give us like Hayden's a little bit of backup into like well, set us up a bit with, with so, what you're so talking Hayden's about. So Hayden's tag is basically like, is this what you do it for? To say please and thank you. Yeah, because because he wants Mr. Shelby because you, Mr. Shelby. he's pretty much asking him right like, what do you get out of pursuing it, this? You're already rich. Yeah. Why do you continue to belittle people and pretty much make it necessary that they are not grateful? It's more like they're pleading for their life, as we see in this yeah. in this scenario, right? But Stag yeah. also doesn't push it. No, he doesn't. But. Tommy decides to give him an answer, and he basically walks up to, to Hayden Stagg, pulls his gun out at him, and points it at his face with the cock back, and then uncocks the gun. And, you know, it, he basically says there's nothing like the rush of of that. And um, that the that that he's referring to is holding the life of somebody else in your own hands. All right, so I'm, I'm right in assuming that it's just the power of controlling or deciding who lives and who dies that, Correct. that uh, is Tommy's uh, thrill, yeah. so to speak. Okay, Finn's first speaking scene in Finally. the betting shop. Finally. I'm not going to lie. Five and a half episodes in. <laughs> it's a bit disappointing after all this time to just see the most we get out of Finn is him just in charge of these kind of day-to-day gambling tasks considering the the way the shit has hit the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Shit has hit the fan. The shit is at the fan. Shit hits yeah. the fan before it hits shit the ceiling. Shit hits the fan and then it hits the ceiling, right? That's the, the chicken, the chicken <laughs> before the egg or the enough. egg before the chicken. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Let's talk about this scene because they're having an issue with a referee who's... Uh, religious. Who has principles. Who has principles, yeah. bottom line. They may say religious, but it's principles. But it's interesting at the start of the scene where you have Arthur reading the Bible, yeah. right? It always feels forced with Arthur whenever he's reciting something from the Bible. It's it, like... Yeah, a little bit. He's like, I'm doing this because Linda told me I have to do this, otherwise it won't come back. Well, you know, it's kind of like you go to a Sunday sermon and you're telling someone else how to live. Like, yeah, you you went to church, like, and just started telling everybody else what to do. (laughs) But uh, Billy Grady comes in and he always looks so sketchy, man. I know, always. Although I, I I still, I crack up every time uh, Billy Grady. You know, it sees Arthur getting serious with him because you know Billy Grade walks in and he's like, "Yeah, the uh, the the referee told me to basically fuck off." Well, he didn't basically tell me; he literally told me to. And then Arthur closes the door and he's like, "Oh God!" <laughs> well, it's always kind of like he wants. He's always trying to ingratiate himself and get into mm-hmm. the inner circle, which mm-hmm. we see why. Why we've? I mean, it's the most obvious snitch. Let's just say what it is. He's the most obvious snitch of all snitches yeah. ever since that phone pickup. Thanks mm-hmm. to the, to that shot of him picking up the phone on the night that Mosley was supposed to be assassinated. Spectacular, yeah. Very little mention of Abraham Gold this season. None at all, actually. I also haven't seen uh, Captain Swain in this episode at all. We haven't seen her in. Was she in last episode? She was. I think she was in she the last was episode. The dinner. But yeah, the the thing that kind of annoys me is she played such an important role in the death of. Polly and Abarama Gold and uh, I forget the, the Brandon, whatever the name of the sniper was. Um, I'm Barney. kind of disappointed. Yeah, I'm kind of disappointed that she's not really significantly in this show to this point. Like, I haven't really seen her do much. Who? Captain Swain. I mean, we got a whole other episode to go. We, To be honest, we haven't seen any of the villains that much, Zach. 
That's Think true. about it. We haven't seen anybody really that much. The yeah, most a lot we've of, seen a is lot Diana. Of this has been family drama. We, we've seen Diana Mitford, but we haven't seen a lot of like enemy drama. Now, mm-hmm. we have a Midland Hotel sex scene with Lizzie and Tommy, which, why are they at the Midland Hotel? Because they are sick of the house. They hate the house. They basically is that what it is? Blow it up and burn it down. Yeah. Okay. Well, well they're staying uh, the night at the Midland Hotel, which Michael calls is Tommy's little kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's the Midland Hotel. It's a nice looking hotel. I didn't pay much attention to the actual room itself. I just saw the wardrobe and the bed, but um, mm-hmm. you get the sense with Lizzie that, you know, although she wants to always be inside Tommy's head, mm-hmm. there you get the Dutch angle of her yeah, with we, Tommy out of focus. She started in the background. out with the Dutch angle and then now she sat up and now it's flipped to the other side. It's just, I don't think she actually knows what she wants because if no. you see the way she handles information or handles any inkling that Tommy's up to no good, she flips out. Mm-hmm. So she's constantly just complaining about the fact that she knows the code to the vault, but she won't, he won't let her in. If yeah. he let her in, she'd probably lose her mind. <laughs> I'd imagine so. I you don't know? think she could handle what's Look in at there. the way she reacts, how she pounces on him like a lion after he says like a, he actually says something kind of sweet to her. He's like, look, yeah. I'm sorry I dragged you down. I thought yeah. she was going to like rip it, rip it the rest of his clothes so off. So did I. I, was, I wasn't <laughs> sure if they were going to get it on again or she was going to like just like try to kill him at that point. <laughs> that's what I thought was happening. I was like, oh. Damn. I was like, all right, that's different. Do you so, get yeah. the sense that when Tommy says the, all right, so the whole point here is that Lizzie's concerned about Tommy. We know he has a health diagnosis now. She knows that he's plotting something big, big. But to be honest, the whole audience knows he's plotting something big, and I still don't know what the hell he's gonna do. I don't. When know we're five either. episodes in, and he and he asks people for help, like he asks Diana for help in this episode, and I have no idea what the angle is. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what what his actual plan is. Which I don't know if that's good or bad at this point when we're five episodes into the new season. I don't know. I mean, if you compare it to last season, we knew what his plan was. It was very obvious and very. I mean, he, he, he talked about it, and it didn't work out. So maybe this is him realizing, I probably shouldn't talk about my plans at this point. The only season that I'm thinking of that wasn't specifying completely what his plans were was with Changretta. Mm. When uh, Changretta comes after him, and you think, and this is when Michael like betrays Tommy, but yeah. Polly tips him off. Um that Changreta is like going to kill him, right? Mm-hmm. And we get that scene where everyone who's watching thinks that Tommy doesn't know he's being tailed, but we're like, it's Tommy. He knows he's being tailed. Of course. Uh, and he comes out with the Tommy gun and whatever. That We always call every gun that's a machine gun in the show a Tommy gun. But yeah, I think I mean, it was like a Gatling If Tommy's gun. wielding it, it's some sort of Tommy gun. It's Tommy's yeah. gun. Yeah, well, in that episode, I was like, we didn't know what his plans were. And I think it's going to be something similar here, but in a much grander scale, kind of a la Walter White with the prison hits. And mm. I'm going to say no other spoilers besides that. With, uh, <laughs> because he's got a... There's no enemy who's been taken care of. You still got Mosley. You got Jack Nelson. You got Diana Mitford. You got... Yeah, Michael. Laura... Was uh, it Captain Swain? Laura Swain? Captain whatever. Swain. You got Michael, who I... I was shocked at the end of this episode. And I actually... I think Michael may have had a change of heart in this episode. Because the dream that he has later... Yeah. It feels more like um, a nightmare. Mom, no, like mom, are you sending me a message that I'm on the wrong path? Type yeah. of dream. I mean, he did say he did say right after that. Like, I consulted, he consulted with, my with his mother. Yeah. Well, he knows what are his options. Let's think about it. We know Michael's like Tommy in a, in a, some ways. Mm-hmm. Okay. If Michael doesn't say he's going to kill Tommy, he's going to stay in prison. Yeah. 
I would say I'm going to kill Tommy too if I could get out of prison. And then I'd go to Tommy and be like, yo, square? <laughs> you know, we're good. I'll run your uh, underground operation while you can kind of retire with your kid. And then and, uh, kill Gina. Well, do you think Michael's going to want to be back with Gina after finding out she slept with Mosley? No, I'm saying kill her. Yeah, I don't know if Gina's... Do you think Gina dies? She, I don't know. I'm not predi- I'm not trying to predict I would be shocked. Dies. If she dies, I think Jack Nelson kills her. <clears throat> that I could see. I don't think it's Michael or anybody in the in the Shelby family. No. All right, Anyways. let's talk on, on this next scene now. We're, uh, We're back at uh, the betting shop. Yeah, but to say, just to wrap up the last scene... Tommy is re- remorseful, supposedly, that he's dragged Lizzie, Lizzie into this cursed marriage, right? Yeah. And that he's brought bringing her down with him. And you can see she's unraveling in it, but uh, they just continue onward. It's a, it's a very uh, dysfunctional marriage. And mm-hmm. she's still reeling from, the, from Ruby's death, as is Tommy. Now, yeah. back to the betting shop and the principled referee who will not take the money to throw a game. Uh, yeah. The boys in the betting shop are attempting to turn this referee into one of their uh, one of their crooked ones that they can throw games with, mm-hmm. but he's willing to die for the cause. What did what did you what did you think of this principled man? Because I had lots of feelings and thoughts in this scene. <sighs> I kind of I, I liked him. I mean. Mm-hmm. He, we finally have somebody who can stand up to the Peaky Blinders a little bit, but I kind of felt like we knew where this was going. Like to me, he seemed a little too hard-headed and a little too gullible, or, or maybe not gullible, but a little too dumb, right? Like it, if I was in some sketchy betting shop with the Peaky Blinders, say you're gonna do it and skip town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be like, no, no need to die in there and know? try and call the cops and all of this. The moment you're like, no, everyone's like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, it, it's interesting. It just shows you how messy Arthur is at this moment because yeah. you're doing this during business hours in the office. Like, it's just a pure sloppy murder. And mm-hmm. it's uh, it's also dark, too, man, because you don't get a lot of these scenes with the Peaky Blinders where no. they kill an innocent man, right? I no, can't think you, of, I mean, we I don't can't see think a of lot many. of it. No, it, it uh, when it uh, when it happens. It How about the evil like look from Isaiah? Did you see the evil look in Isaiah's face as he's choking? Isaiah that likes this, I think. Like I think I, Isaiah likes no it a little too. I think he likes it a little too much. Yeah. Oh, at Every, this point, I mean, he's not dead yet, though. Finn, yeah, he's not dead yet. Finn doesn't like it. Billy doesn't like it. Duke doesn't like it. Duke turns around and stands in a corner. Well, he leaves. As, Duke actually uh, leaves before he gets killed. He walks yeah, out. Yeah, but here you see him stand in a corner. He turns around while Billy Grade basically wraps a wire around his neck and squeezes till he is covered yeah, in blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and enough, it was... Enough, enough, enough. All right, so let, Finn let's, looks like let's talk cry. about this for a bit. Himself. Well, let's talk about this for a bit. <laughs> this referee served in France. Yeah. They've never treated somebody who served in France with this, with this uh, evil... Nature. No, never. Now, they, they've always treated I, people that served in France with respect for the most part. Exa- exactly. Now, and he talks about it, and he tells Arthur, I, I walked the line or whatever he said. Now, mm-hmm. you can't have a lot of these scenes in Peaky Blinders because you can't root for the Peaky Blinders if they're no, just killing innocent you people. You would hate them. If this, if this happened a lot, but you would you, hate But them. deep down, you know this is probably going on 
in a lot of scenes off camera with the with the gang and which it shows that Tommy's evil shows the mm-hmm. gang is evil and um it made me wonder several things in this scene first and foremost I think Arthur kind of copped out because now he's back in religion mode mm-hmm. and so he made Billy Grade do it but I also think that that Arthur with all of his craziness has always been very clear about people's motives even going back to Grace in season one mm-hmm when she was trying to flirt with him and he was just completely onto her motives of asking way too many questions. Mm. With Billy Grade, Arthur has been onto him and has warned Finn several times to not let this man close to the family. Yeah. And he makes Billy Grade kill this guy. Now, you know that that's, that Billy's not a murderer. No. He's not. He's not the type that can live with himself. If you see him in the next scene, he's... He's in a steam room and he's he's in the fetal position almost, just sitting da- sitting upright and like pretty much crying without tears. Mm-hmm. And uh, you probably were so excited in this scene because you heard some <laughs> whistling, I, and you thought it was the Billy Boys, didn't you? I didn't think it was the Billy Boys because it wasn't the Billy Boys song. But <laughs> man, if it was the you Billy were, Boys, I'd have been like, "Fuck!" Where yeah, finally, honestly, plot hole in this season where that the, that the is Billy Boys have been missing. The Billy Boys, and Do you, why does Oswald Mosley? act like a dog i don't know do you agree it's kind of like a plot hole in a way yeah. that the billy boys have been missing i wonder where they time? went they were they were great they were a great adversary to the peaky yeah. blinders it was army on army yeah we had anyways a while uh well we have billy grade walking around hearing some whistling and some footsteps he, he hears somebody <laughs> walk up behind him turns around and lo and behold it's jack nelson who basically pulls out a wire rips his towel off and <laughs> wraps the wire around his balls and starts yeah squeezing. it's interesting that he just killed the man with a wire and he's about to take his manhood with the wire yeah uh but jack nelson is just enjoying this because he's found out that billy grade is the shelby family snitch mm-hmm. and uh, he wants to use him as an inside agent or a double agent for his on his behalf yeah. i wrote down a note here that uh first and foremost worst day ever Oh, yeah. That would be my worst day ever. <laughs> you just got forced to kill somebody and someone almost ripped your balls off. <laughs> uh, that's rough. That's Honey, rough. you're not going to believe it. Had the hell of a day at work. Really, really shitty day at work. My boss made me kill someone. <laughs> and then I went to the shower to clean off the blood and some guy came in from America and almost ripped my testicles off. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me? Oh, man. This, no. Yeah, this is definitely the worst day of his life. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I kind of was happy about it because I didn't like the guy yeah, much, know, but at the same time, I'm like, shit, this is the same day. Same day. Goodness gracious. At least yeah. space it out by one day. Yeah. Now, Jack wants him to be a double agent for him, but I think Jack's downfall might be that he, the fact that he has no idea how untrusted Billy Grade is. At least in the inner circles. <laughs> so I don't know. Like the moment Billy starts to delve into areas where he's not supposed to be, mm-hmm. Arthur's going to be sniffing that away. It's super fast. I would imagine it. And I would hope so. But Billy's got a lot on the line here to try and uh, <laughs> make it out the other end with uh, with his nuts. To be honest, Billy didn't choose this life. No. So Well, did he? No, he didn't. They They threatened him. Remember, he was singing at a bar perfectly happy with his job and then yeah. Arthur came in and threatened him. So That's true. I got to be honest with you. But then I wonder they what the relationship They threatened his family. Was. Yeah. So what what does the relationship look like with Billy Grade and, and Captain Finn? Swain then? 
I think Billy Grade is he hates the Shelbys. I think he sees Finn as the way we see Finn, that he's immature and he's oblivious. Mm-hmm. And he's using Finn for information on the family. And he's trying to get himself out of this situation. So who does he go to? A bigger enemy who can take out the Shelbys. Mm. Right? If his yeah. problems would be solved if the Shelbys were dead. Right? Personally, yeah. Billy, from a you know justice standpoint, hopefully he doesn't die because he truly didn't want to go with his life. But now he's rocking and rolling with it with Finn. Mm-hmm. So to hell with him. Anyway. Oh, he he he's he's felt like he's made it big the way he walks into the room all big and tough. Yeah, and but is it, Arthur, uh, is it an act? Is it an act? Of course it's a front. You know, he thinks he's the shit. But I mean, come on, you're, you're with Finn. It doesn't take much to think that you're better than Finn. You're just throwing, comp- you're just roasting I am, Finn tonight. I am, I'm roasting Finn right I was now. happy to see Finn in this episode. I was happy to see him, but. Yes, oh, truly, Gosh. truly. It was just, uh, I'm disappointed that it took till the fifth episode to see him in here. All right, next scene. Our fair lady Linda arrives in her Quaker uniform. I hate it. Or is she, she a Protestant now? What is she? I now? don't. I don't even know. I just, she's I, going I through the, the Golden Corral of religion and uh, dragging poor Arthur along the way. I'm so disappointed that this is like this. Better not be where Arthur ends up in this dysfunctional relationship where he has a woman just telling him what to say. And it's not like it's not her fault. Well, yeah, she's taking the money, so she knows what she's doing. But mm-hmm. you get what I'm saying. You just wish kind of like for a happier ending for Arthur, you know? Yeah. And I it's mean, turned into yeah. just opium addiction, and now he's back with a woman who doesn't love him, who's taking money just to make him recite prayers that she probably doesn't even believe in herself. She doesn't because she's she's a uh, Christian, and she basically gave him a Catholic prayer to recite. Is right? the act so, of contrition too a Catholic prayer? Act of contrition prayer? too, yeah. Because it's a uh, Arthur's shot like, of you're not Catholic. She's like, no, but you are. What yeah, do you think I about the shot of Tommy at Charlie's scrapyard in the next scene? I thought he was in a Western in the back. It does, in the it back does really have Western vibes. Yeah, because you see the back and it looks like a train car. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, we have Duke. This is like Duke's come to Jesus moment. Yeah. Or come to Jesus talk with Tommy. Tommy, Duke is not happy with the line of work. I can't blame him. The kid's first day on the job and he witnesses a murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and he obviously probably feels, you know, some a way little, complicit, a right? nervous at that point. Yeah. yeah I mean, I would imagine you, know, you, you stood there while it happened. Right? I got my first job at 16 at, uh, at a Panera. And, you know, if I was my first day at work, you, <laughs> you know. You walk I, in the back and somebody my cuts boss someone's head yeah, off. He's killing, he's killing <laughs> oh, the baker shit. in the back. Yeah, I would yeah. have been a little bit disturbed too. So Duke, you know, obviously... <laughs> He wants to, he didn't take to the betting work, right? Mm-mm. And he chose a hell of a day because that doesn't typically happen in the betting shop. No, I've never seen that before. Yeah, that's the first in Peaky Blinders history, at least. But Tommy's talking to him and he, he lets him know straight up. He's like, look, I'm your dad. I know your mom said all this stuff about your father being a Duke of the Saxon Shore or whatever, but you are my son, okay? And uh, Tommy lays out pretty much his path he says you can work here in the scrapyard with the horses there's a Mm -hmm. place for a man who knows about horses and uh, he tells him look uh i have a plan and i need someone to take over and my business has two sides and we've always seen this his business has two sides the light side which is his his public life Mm -hmm. and then he has the dark side which is the underworld where he has finn and arthur and and michael with the opium stuff before michael went uh, crazy Mm -hmm. and uh 
I you get the sense that Tommy sees Duke as the perfect fit for the dark side, but I would like to throw a caveat out there and say that it would be super interesting if Duke ends up taking over the light side of the business while Charles, his son who grew up in, in riches, yeah. takes over the dark side of the business. Yeah. What do you think that about that? Be, that would be very interesting, but I don't know if they're going to flip it like that. I mean... Well, We've Tommy says Duke who's good at at pickpocketing, right? Like he's kind of lived the life. He's he, he out of necessity, is a, though. Out of a necessity, nobody in a sense, right? Like, and he doesn't want to be known. He makes it very clear he wants to be unknown to everyone. So I don't he know. See, I he's the he's the cleaner. The the he's the cleaner fit for the dark side. Yeah, but Tommy makes a good comment here. He says, "Look, in my experience, you pretty much it's chosen for you. Like you know what you are, you know." Mm-hmm. And that's a theme that kind of runs true in this episode where Tommy is at the dinner table with the evil four or evil three. And uh, he's like, I'm just like you guys, you know? Yeah. But he's definitely his, his son, just the writing of his son and the way he acts and the mannerisms, the, the kid does a great job. He's, it's he's so spot actor. on. Uh, and he's just like Tommy. He, he's very much like Tommy. I he doesn't like people. He doesn't like people. He likes horses more than people. <laughs> he wants to be unknown. Although Tommy kind of wants to be known. He likes being known. I don't think he does it for the fame, though. He He's doing it for the power. Do you get the sense that... I feel like we need to see a bit more of Charles. If we're going to get this much of Duke, we should see a bit of Charles before this show's over. It would be nice to see more of Charles, because I really felt like Charles was beginning to take on... Uh, or event, get to a point where eventually he would take on the uh, the business. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, that's what it looks like. I mean, every every episode we've seen, he's always looking up and admiring some sort of photo of Tommy, and then his mother has to do something. So, let me say something about Duke. I mean, he was planning on leaving. He was asking for a wagon, two horses, and to go. And, and Tommy's clearly making a point here that. Look, kid, your best life is to not go and wander the hills. Like, it's it's here, mm-hmm. you know? And he makes it – that's when he tells him, like, look, before you go, you got to know your true lineage here. And he tells him – and Duke catches on quick. He's a quick learner. He tells him, hey, hold that wheel. You know, I'm going to go. I'm going to stay here with you, and I'm going to work the scrapyard, work with horses. And it's really just the working with horses part that I think the kid loves, you know? Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't. But you, don't you feel like Tommy's... This is the first time we actually see Tommy as a father in the show? Yeah. We haven't really seen a lot of father-like moments between him and Charles. The only thing I really remember between him and Charles was the scene where uh, Tommy... Or Charles was in the barn and Tommy goes to him to console him. And... Uh, they really do look similar. How- the they profile do. view of the kid and, and him look very similar. Great casting. Yeah. But so no, I, I, I haven't seen... I was just saying, I don't really feel like I've seen a lot of fatherly moments from from Tommy throughout the show. No. You almost wonder how Charles is going to be when he gets older because of the lack of, of the presence of his own family. His mother died when he was young. Mm-hmm. His father's absent, you know, being raised by the nanny. Or the maid, right? So it's kind of like, what is he going to be? I don't know. 
did you notice that did you notice that curly i feel like curly lost so much weight between the previous time i saw him and now it's been a lot of years man you don't know what's going on with his personal life or anything yeah he just he just looks a lot thinner that's all yeah, I you see that sometimes. He's an older actor. You never know what it is. That's why I, I never I never speculate too much when it comes to that because you never know if it's just an actual health issue. Because he looks mm-hmm. like he's in his sixties or something like that. So, but uh, I'm just happy to see him, you know, survive all of the seasons and get to the final, the final season where you have like kind of your core characters also happy to yeah. see johnny dogs a bit oh, i was so in happy episode. to see johnny dogs <laughs> yeah it, it's nice to see him i missed all him. right uh diana mitford misses uh i own the world of season six and has yeah. completely whipped mosley into this uh this walking uh, he's just like a cor- he's like a he's shadow like a shell of what of he man. was in season yeah. five yeah yeah kind he's of, not kind himself of. i'm disappointed in that too like th- you know, the season's pretty good, but at the same time, it's full of a lot of disappointments. Like, you know, Arthur's condition, where, you know, Oswald is not what he was before. We have uh, Diana, who's entered the picture and is controlling him. The Billy Boys are nowhere to be found. There's a lot of dis- disappointments here. Did I mention in the last episode that I had, that I said, with all the trouble that Tommy's gone through with this woman, I hope he just, comp- I hope he's able to just smash for the most part like did if I you didn't say it on, on camera on you camera? said it off camera and you, you said that you think it's gonna happen so yeah i mean i was like after all the trash he's been through here with this lady and she's so she's so sex starved like you can just tell but mm-hmm. i mean she looks good in the, in this scene they really like the the it's the blocking is to make her look good but mm-hmm. i will say this comment about tommy here uh it you know throughout most of the show it always feels like tommy is uh is asking everyone else to do the dirty work and sacrifice stuff like that. And like, oh, woe is me, sacrifice. I have to sleep with Diana Mitford. Yeah. Uh, because here he's asking her for a favor. But really, really, I got to say, he is disgusted with this woman in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> he, he seems like Because, it. I mean, that story that she tells in the last episode about dining in Hitler's home and yeah. the Jews are eating grass, eating grass and stuff like and that. Yeah. That's some horrifically evil thing to say. Like it's repulsive. It's repulsive. No matter how attractive she is, she's it's repulsive. Yeah. So Tommy's really like, whatever principles are left of him, he has essentially uh he has sacrificed his principles for the greater cause or the greater good several times in this series series. Now, this is like people would probably roll their eyes and they're like Mario. Really? Are you really trying to say that Tommy made a big sacrifice by sleeping <laughs> with this woman? Yes, I'm actually saying that. I'm literally saying I that think he, he legitimately loves Lizzie. I don't. I, I think he loves Lizzie. I'm not going to say he's in love with Lizzie. No one's going to replace Grace. But Diana Midford, he he's obviously he's doing something that he doesn't quite want to do with her. Now, yes, mm-hmm. is she attractive? Yes, does he have a good time in the moment? Probably. But I would imagine. But. He is also, I think, repulsed by her. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Uh, she's just It's just awkward the way she goes about it. It's like, oh, hey, my husband had sex with your wife, so it's only fair. Like, just the whole thing is just a weird. And the she's whole way that she already weird. booked a room, she collects. Yeah. She just collects dudes. That's what she does. She collects yeah. dudes in bed. That's her thing. 
her thing is that she's like a literal member. She talks to Ada. She says, hey, you know, I like to sleep with women too. Like she yeah, is, she is a, perverted. yeah, well, she's just a, I don't know what you would call that, like a nymph, a nympho. Yeah. Um, but she's totally into it. And you know what? What does he tell Lizzie when he first sees her? He says, hey, my game plan is to seduce her. And so this mm-hmm. is the natural progression of that. But what happens later in the episode because he talks to her about making, uh, he needs her, her estranged husband's help in his import business. I think is the whole yeah. gist of it. Yeah, uh, that was the whole point of the meeting at the boat. They've yeah. been very cautious to not show us what Tommy's game plan is with this, with the dynamic evil four of Jack Nelson, Mosley, Diana, and uh, mm-hmm. Swain. They have been yeah. very reluctant to show us the what's cooking, how the sausage is made. So we're gonna find out with everybody else in in the next episode, right? Yeah. Now, I did do a little. I did do a little digging. Uh, yes, not that please. it took much effort. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Go ahead. So Diana, in the show, is what, like the the estranged husband that Tommy's trying to get uh, her help with is Brian Guinness. Brian Guinness was the heir to, or one of the heirs to the Guinness Brewing Company, uh, and they were actually married in real life for about four years. Mm-hmm. And then she divorced and got with Oswald because Oswald gave her more things, you know. Interesting. Yeah. But the casting of Diana Mitford in here is incredible. Like, it looks exactly like the photos that I've seen of Diana in real life. Anyways. Okay. After the the whole scene on the boat. You had really good notes about this montage. Yeah. With Tommy back at the boat. After he sleeps with Diana, we get this montage of him in the tunnel where he's always terrorized by where he was underground in France mm-hmm. and this boat that he grew up on the January. Now, to are these flashbacks whenever he has these dark moments because there's a pile of bodies outside of his bathroom that he wakes up I don't in. think they're flashbacks, these, but I do think No, they're not flashbacks, but what I mean is from like his visions. memory from the past. Yeah, but right? like, my, my question is, is it always in situations where he's losing his humanity? Hmm. That's he's an at the risk question. Where he's at the risk of going under. I don't no, th- think so necessarily. I mean, I, I think the majority of the, the visions that he's having is because of his tuberculoma at this point, right? You think so? I think that's I, I mean, think that, that's, that's wrong. That's like the natural like that like everything that we had seen that was weird about Tommy, you know, about all the visions and the seizures and everything, it's literally all symptoms from his tuberculoma. I don't think so. I disagree. But I'm also not putting too much stock into what the doctor said. Tommy was taking a lot of opium. I I think it has, there's a metaphorical value to it. Like, it's not just like, hey, toss it away because it's tuberculoma. Mm -hmm. Like, it has a story purpose, right? Now, in this montage with Tommy's downfall, you also get a montage of Michael. And you get a deleted scene that I mentioned in season five, Mm -hmm. which was... I had never seen, by the way. You hadn't seen it. Okay, so... I never looked it up. It's a scene with Polly... And she actually does a ritual to see who will die in the war uh, with Tommy. And I believe she tells Michael, I don't. I think they withhold it here, but in the deleted scene, they tell, they say that Michael will die if he goes through mm-hmm. with this. It's Michael who will die. That that was confirmed by Polly. I don't know if I spoiled something there. I hope I didn't. But uh, I mean, I, it's it's a deleted scene. It's out there. Yeah. Right? Anybody could watch it. Yeah, but that's well, she, interesting. She tells him that. And, I, but I saw that montage in a different light, almost like Michael was having a change of heart. 
you know, where his mother was warning him almost like, don't do it, Michael. It did don't feel like it. a warning. Like, like when we saw it, it, it did kind of look like a warning. And that's why I think the both of us were probably thrown a little bit with his answer at the end of the show here. Well, don't, don't you remember in the last episode where uh, Tommy catches Gina or with Mosley? Yeah. And she says, are you going to tell Michael? And he says, we are a family healed or a family mended or something like that. Yeah. He makes a comment like that, which to me was almost like, did he reach out to Michael in his own time mm. and have a heart to heart with him about the whole situation? Mm. Did he? He, at the end of the day, Michael's only exists in this show because Tommy brought him into this show. Yeah. He's the one who gave the information to Polly where he was at and who he was adopted by. He's the one who brought him into the business. He's the one who offered him to pretty much be the, the guy who takes the torch from him. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think that that road is too far gone. I think Tommy is a very forgiving individual um, for the most part. Yeah. Seems if it's in his best interest, definitely. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. I, you know, I knew I was missing something. I had turned off subtitles. Yeah. It's okay. Um, Have it on on my end. We have a dinner at the Shelby's that's going on, and I missed this thing with Lizzie, but she's going on and on with this metaphor of him changing the yeah the safe, combination the combination uh, is, to the safe is this is the safe a physical safe or I always took it as like it's his mind I think it's his mind right because she always brings at least in this episode specifically she really brings it up this is the second time I think of this episode. Where she brings it up and it's always as she's trying to understand what's going on and Tommy's being very quiet about things. He doesn't want to say anything. He doesn't want to tell her what's happening. And he makes a comment while they're in the room where basically once he knows everything, he will tell her everything. Because uh, he's in yeah. communication with Churchill, right? It could be. I mean, I don't. I don't think there's any like, like direct relation to Churchill just with what was said. But yeah, I mean, once he knows everything, he says he'll he'll let Lizzie know everything that he's basically keeping from her at this point. Yeah, I. I mean, I think the knowing everything is he doesn't know what their plans are completely, right? Yeah, I don't. I think he's still in the dark with a lot of this stuff, and maybe that's why we're still in the dark, right? Because Tommy doesn't know. Tommy has no idea what's going on. The reason he slept with Diana, it was the final step he needed to show that he was one of fully them. on board with them, right? Because Mosley needed mm-hmm. him to to say that anti-Semitic line, and mm-hmm. Diana needed needed him to sleep with her. Mm-hmm. Jack Nelson, his plan is to kill Tommy, as we found out yeah. early in the episode, and we did a shit job of recapping that part because that was kind of a key detail. His conversation yeah. with Billy Grade, it was that it Billy was, Grade was to detail. give up Tommy and Arthur, <laughs> Arthur right? Yeah, right. Because Jack Nelson's to Arthur's plan. death. Yeah, he wants to kill Arthur and Tommy. And uh, we get us dinner with, with the Shelbys here, where Jack Nelson's staying in their home before leaving to Berlin or leaving mm-hmm. back to America. And um, Jack Nelson's pretty much on the point with some of the things that Tommy's saying. I mean, he says, yeah. look, there's no... The English got tired of currency, and so they moved on that the real currency here is blood. Blood. And yeah. Tommy's upward battle has has always been that and his search for power. Think about mm-hmm. the time when he's talking to... Um, Churchill and he says I don't value birth certificates because I don't have one myself and he says if another man is better than me he must prove it you know he says things like that you know it's he's always keenly aware that in English society in season five mm-hmm. they play this up as a big theme you know that he's this politician in the house of commons and they're like how has a man 
of injustice and whatever. I'm into a place <laughs> of privilege. You know, it's like a very yeah. snobbish, snobbish environment. And Tommy pretty much breaks all those glass uh, ceilings. But in a way that's kind of shady. Uh, and by kind of, I mean very. Very. So, uh, <laughs> we get this Jack who's just not with the customs. He's like, I don't want to drink wine. Just get me whiskey. I'm tired of this. Yeah. He's he's an American who's sick. And he actually, I laughed because I was like, he's so spot on. Tommy's yeah. more American than he is English. <laughs> You're an American. Yeah. Yep. And, and you can tell, although Jack plans on killing Tommy, that he low-key respects likes Tommy. He yeah. likes him. I think they like each other, to be honest with you. Like, well, the thing bit. is, I think they both see themselves in each other. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless you completely hate yourself, you're going to like the other person a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you uh, like uh, well, Diana and, and Oswald kind of? Well, all right. So, the moment the Diana here. slept with Tommy, I knew mm-hmm. that she was going to tell Lizzie. Uh, because remember, Lizzie actually tells her also that she slept with Mosley or something like mm-hmm. that. Right, but I don't think Diana did. I don't think Diana did that because to get her back. Mm-mm. I think it's because she likes collecting men and women, probably. But I agree with she, that because she just, she was making eyes with him before Lizzie was ever like, "Oh, I slept with your husband." Yeah, yeah. I look. She likes to do what Mosley does. Mosley likes to dominate a room and and to say the thing that no one else is going to say, or think that you'll have the audacity to say. So she's the female version of Mosley. So whenever Mosley's missing, it's pretty much Diana's there, right? Mm-hmm. And they are I they are the same person. They have this weird open relationship that he, she's okay with him sleeping with people and he's okay with her sleeping with people. Yeah. And uh and they live in this way. Now, I noticed this thing when Diana mentions this to Lizzie and Lizzie storms out of the room. It was like, is Tommy going to drop the bomb in here right now that Mosley is screwing Gina? Because what mm. happens at that table if he says it? What does Jack Nelson do? He's obviously <laughs> saving it. He's saving it. I don't it. know, man. I mean, that's got to come out at some point. Maybe that's maybe that's what saves himself from Michael killing him. Hey, by the way, your, your wife's kind of screwing Oswald. I don't think he's scared of Michael. I think at the end of this, when he's done conquering these four, he talked to Duke earlier in this episode, and he says, look, this plan's coming to fruition now, and I need this. I need this in place. So, so Tommy's planning for his own death. Well, yeah, uh, I mean, essentially, according to this doctor, he has a year and a half to live. Yeah, but I think he's thinking of going even sooner. The way he's acting, it and does. Some, it does seem like that. It does seem like that. Yeah, and um, and in this scene, they make a big deal about Lizzie. Mosley's constantly going on about the fact that Lizzie's not good enough for Tommy. He has like this weird obsession with Tommy. Of like she's not doesn't she doesn't deserve you you know like he's mm-hmm. like in love with Tommy in his own weird way yeah uh, I, we've always kind of seen even in the last one like he he's like a little too interested in Tommy well you know yeah he's more interested he's like a friend with no with no boundaries, boundaries. <laughs> yeah he's he he is uh I mean think about like it, Diana <laughs> Diana likes women too <laughs> high high key he's actually. He sees himself as Tommy's like closest friend. Yeah, <laughs> think about it. Think about it. I mean, think about Mosley. Closest in political when has power Mos- too. When has Mosley done anything truly? Because the thing is, is he acts in these ways because he thinks it's in Tommy's best interest, mm-hmm. right? But he's never actually done something that has been to harm Tommy in his own eyes, right? 
No. So I don't think Mosley was lying when he said, my weakness is that I trust people too easily. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was actually telling the truth. It seems like, like it at this he point. He didn't know about the assassination attempt. He trusts no, people. No, we, we found and, that out at the first episode here. And I think maybe me and you misjudged Mosley because we're like, he's kind of a shadow of himself. But no, this is probably who he was the whole time. This guy who trusts people too easily. <laughs> that allows it, allows Diana to do his, his dirty work for him. I might want to watch Tommy season Jordan. five back and, and, and see if I get the same feeling now. Yeah. Now, Tommy drinks whiskey in this scene. And it's the first time we see him drink whiskey since he says that line. There are days, uh, there are days where I give, where I, uh, I resort to my dark, my former ways. Mm-hmm. When he drank that whiskey, it, it took me right to that line where he's like, yeah. in that moment where he's drinking it, he's like, "Okay, game on." I'm resorting yeah. to my former ways. So next episode, we get whiskey drinking Tommy back for a full hour and a half to two hours. I, I hope so. I think the next episode is going to be like a, the length of a, a feature yeah. film. But, so. And let's talk about this. Tommy, before the, we end that kind of sit down dinner, he says, mm-hmm. the difference is like, I no matter how much of a front I put up, I realize I'm just like you all in this room. And uh, he realizes that he's no better than any of them. And to be honest, there is truth it's to that. I think. True. Yeah, I, I mean, think they that just he killed an innocent man two, two, like twenty minutes ago. Yeah, I, I think in some sense he's telling the truth there, but in another sense, uh, he's just doing this to gain their trust before betraying them all. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Final scene: Michael in jail. He's visited by a man who's dressed as a priest, but who has heavy hitman vibes to him. Um, part of me was wondering if Michael said no to this question about, about killing to Tommy die. if he was going to die. There's heavy feelings with that because this man looks up about... He looks like he, he would beat you up. Like, he yeah. would just, like, destroy you. He looks like Michael Shannon in Boardwalk Empire. He But Michael Shannon wasn't a hitman in that show. But hmm. he just looks like uh, he would have killed Michael if he had said no. And although Michael looks very convicted in saying and ending the episode that he intends to kill Tommy Shelby, I don't believe him. But I've been wrong on a lot of things this season so far. And so I've been far. right. I have been right on a lot of things too, though. I have yeah. been right on a lot of things too. Uh, and that concludes episode five of the season penultimate six. season of Peaky Blinders. Zach, I say it's the second best episode of the season after episode one. Episode one is still my favorite episode of the season. Just didn't top it. Mm-hmm. Didn't top it. I hope the last episode does because, man, they are leaving a lot to be desired in this season. They have they have no choice, right? Mm-hmm. I think the way we're going, we will be satisfied. It's actually kind of fun to think that nothing has been resolved yet and how the hell are they going to resolve all this in the yeah. next episode because you got all the enemies left. You got Arthur, who's kind of still a mess. You got duke and what's gonna happen with him you got billy grade now with the with the snitch plot with jack nelson you got swain who was missing you got the billy boys who got to come in at some point you got alfie mm-hmm. in boston somewhere we got no look further look on alfie it has to be about a two-hour episode next week right i would imagine so i feel like it yeah. would be literally like a movie yeah. i mean you got Stag there's no way too. you can like we didn't even see alfie in this there's no, no we have, way we've seen alfie only once in this season well, not, but we didn't see him in this episode at all. And I know, that's what I'm saying. He was becoming that, a very critical piece in this plan about the East Boston Jews and yeah, everything so with you, Jack. So you got so Tommy's allies right now, 
Or Tom's stag. gonna go to Canada too. I wonder if that happens in the next episode too. It's gotta. What? When else is it gonna happen? He's gonna have to take a trip to Canada with Alfie, with who knows who else, and have like a, a, a civil war over there, of some sort. My prediction is still this. The season ends, the series ends with Churchill and a coming to Birmingham and spending a night with gypsies. That's how it ends. <laughs> now, probably haven't seen Alfie because he's probably in America. Mm-hmm. He has to avenge his uncle's death. Jack Alfie's going to be the one who kills Jack Nelson. That's the way it works here. It has yeah. to be that. So yeah, Alfie, I mean, Alfie, Alfie has to kill his uncle killed or something like that. Alfie has to kill Jack Nelson. Michael has to kill Swain. Mm-hmm. Think about him. Think about the people who have to avenge the people that they want. Alfie has to uh, avenge his uncle. Michael needs to avenge his mother. Right? Yeah. Tommy is going to kill Mosley. They'll probably do some like twisted history here. Mm-hmm. Do a Tarantino. Mosley has to die. Okay, Arthur yeah. needs to kill Billy uh, Billy uh, McCaver- J- Jimmy McCavern. Yeah, that would be great. So that's you, you got to match up the people, you know, thematically in some sense. Lizzie kills Diana, maybe. I don't know if Lizzie would want to get her hands that dirty. Diana mostly got to go. They do. Diana. I don't know who kills Jimmy them. McCavern. And then you I, got. I, I take back what I said about Hayden Stag because it seems like they kind of made up. Yeah, yeah. Now we got three young boys who got to be uh, resolved here too. All kind of competing for the business in some sense. You got Karl Marx. <laughs> you got Erasmus Duke, mm-hmm. and you got Charles in there too. Yeah, you got three of them. All very capable. Charles, we've we know the least about Charles. Do yeah, we get a time he, he skip hasn't at made the end? A lot of appearance here. Do we get a Harry Potter prologue or <laughs> epilogue? epilogue. What, what is it called? Epilogue. It's an epilogue. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I kind of wouldn't be surprised if it did happen. But at the same time, I feel like go. they would they would want to leave it open enough so that they could come back and because even if they were to make a movie after this if they're going to use the same characters not actors but the same characters they it's they're going to have to be older like i don't i don't really want to watch duke go through you know his 17 year old self all the way up to wherever it really makes sense for him to take over <laughs> we're going to have to time jump and we're going to have to get you think there's a time jump? I don't. I don't think we'll get a time jump. And not in this episode. I'm saying I think they won't do it in the next episode. So that if they do make a movie or come back and do anything, th- they can have a time jump there and change actors. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I think that's probably what they'll leave it for. I could see a prequel being done. We have the technology to make Killian Murphy look younger and Arthur look younger. It would uh, be it would be so cool to have a prequel of them in the war, 
or before the war. Like, I'm just curious to know what they were like before the war because they were still a gang. I wouldn't be still did gang things. I wouldn't be interested before the war. I'd be interested of them slightly before the war, then going into the war, serving, and then coming back and ending the movie with like the first episode starts, you know? Yeah. I wouldn't, I would not want to see like their childhood and them growing up through all of that. But I just think it would be interesting to have that that contrast between pre-war Tommy and post-war Tommy. Because, like I said, though, they were still in a gang. They still did things. I feel like it would have been kind of like Lupin. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Just a little bit more violent. Now, let's get into superlatives, and you always lead these. Yes. So, best scene of the episode. Best scene. It's got to be the opium den scene with the bomb, right? The opium den was definitely one of my favorites, but I also found it very interesting at Charlie's Scrapyard. Just damn, I was gonna say that. Yeah, as well. yeah, that was yeah. a good one with Duke and yep. the and Tommy essentially saying what his plan was, which you could kind of see from a mile away that he saw mm-hmm. the son as an opportunity to split the the business in two. Yeah. Um, but you have to assume that Charles is not going to be like King Joffrey, you know, from Game of Thrones, that he's just not going to be this little tyrant, mm-hmm. uh, who was raised in a freaking Biltmore estate and without the presence of his father or mother, you know, like <laughs> what is this kid going to be? You know, uh, is he going to be a monster? He's, you know, what is he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that's the runner. That's the runner up. I just like. The fact that we finally got some sort of peaky scene that we know mm-hmm. and that we're accustomed to was so nice for once. A nice change up. Yeah. Um, yeah, those two. I, I wouldn't put any other scene anywhere close to that in the episode. Mm-mm. Next one I have on the list is most memorable character or characters. I have two. Well, yeah, I have two. Hmm. Go for it. You first. So the first one is kind of the easy one for me. It's Duke. Just you think so? The introduction to the, to the show, I liked the kid. Like, I didn't have anything about him that I really disliked. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I also enjoyed the kind of like a opening up of, of the, the potential for the story here, right? Like he could take, he could theoretically beat the next Tommy. Right. I so I, I think that was pretty interesting. I haven't, we haven't gotten enough of Duke for me to say he's memorable. I still think he's not very memorable yet. If I had to say who I, damn, I don't know who would be memorable in this episode. Maybe Diana. No, not really. The scene of her on the boat is memorable, but maybe the priest—not the priest, the um, the, the referee. You know, I think the second person I would I would give this award to is Jack Nelson. We finally saw him do something intimidating, other than talk. He got his hands dirty, so to speak, literally. <laughs> <laughs> I like the scene where he's at dinner and he's just really kind of railing about English culture like that. Yeah. 
that to me is like a scene that talks about him and what he thinks and what his worldview is and and he, he you know epitomizes the the America can do spirit mm. you know yeah aspect of him like I don't necessarily dislike Jack Nelson I think he's closer to Alfie Solomon than he is than Mosley yeah you know he's I he's agree. not he doesn't necessarily need to be an enemy of Tommy I don't know why we have to pigeonhole him into this enemy of Tommy in the show you know everybody's he's, an enemy of Tommy I get it but it's just one of those things where I'm like he doesn't if you really think about it what about him needs Tommy dead yeah Tommy's more valuable to him alive. It's a he's a more reliable contact than Michael could be. Well, the I don't me- even know what the- it is that that Tommy did to piss him off so much that now Jack needs him dead. Other than uh, you're going to tell me because he used his name? No, unless it's something related to the plan between these evil people that they're planning on maybe distributing more of the pie to Jack Nelson if he removes Tommy and Arthur out of the picture. I don't know, or he wants to put Michael there. Who knows? Uh, but but are the men gonna actually listen to Michael? Maybe if Jack Nelson sells Nelson sends soldiers, but I think he probably sees Tommy's throne as a place where he could put one of his own puppets and mm. take the power and have an establishment in in Europe, right? Yeah. Next oh. one. We'll see. We're gonna. We're, that, that's the. Uh, well, I, I guess I got one more. Were there any other moments in in the show here that stood out to you? I think the fact that Tommy's finally been welcomed into like this, you know, dark secret society planning, right? It's the like Nazi it, it's, party. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like they finally felt like now is the time we're going to accept them. We weren't fully trustworthy of you before, but now we've wasted so much time on you, and now because you slept with Diana, you you're in. You know. Yeah. I, you mentioned her sheets were purple. Yeah, I didn't know you if know, there was anything is, significant. I mean, it's the royal color, but yeah. I don't. I don't know if I was just like looking too into it, but yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, as far as other moments that, that stood out to me, um, I really did not like the scenes with Linda and Arthur. I really didn't. I, I, I could not stand the way that she just, she walks into the room with, while Arthur's there, it looks like he's going to read a letter and, and have a, have a nice drink. And she walks in like some little spy, just walking into her room. Hello. Yeah. I mean, look, they don't really do Linda any favors in this show. <laughs> no. Like there's, I can't think of a single scene I've seen Linda that I wasn't like, damn, we can we move on? I know. You know, my, my number one visual of her is writhing on the table when she has a bullet in her arm. <laughs> yeah, that's my <laughs> and, favorite. <laughs> and Tommy and Polly are talking like, look, he, engaged, he he proposed. And they're talking like a normal, it's like the most normal family conversation you ever hear with somebody just yeah. with a bullet in their arm on the table. <laughs> it's great. Oh, uh, man. Okay, what a so great family. I know we want to do predictions and stuff like that, but, you know. I feel like we've made a lot of our prediction in this episode. So maybe we should talk about yeah. where we, I think we should just spend the last, you know, five to 10 minutes of this episode talking about where do we see the final series, the series finale of Peaky Blinders ending? Like what happens are bets in the last ending? And do I get a redemptive bet to replace my Al Capone bet with, uh, with something else? No, we can't, we can't do that. 
Come on, I think I think that's already won by me. At least I got one in the bag here. You might you might take the cake on the other one. I'm gonna stick to my guns here and say that as much as I don't want it to happen, I really think at some point at the end of the last episode, we're gonna see the demise of I, I'm picking Tommy at this point. I've been saying one or the other. I think it's gonna be Tommy. Arthur seems to be taking a step in the right direction, right? Like Linda's making some moves. Not that tuberculoma we like that much, is a cop out. If he dies of tuberculoma, you don't. I don't win think the he's bet. gonna tie. I don't think he's gonna die of tuberculoma. Do we, do we agree I, that if he dies of tuberculoma, you lose the bet? I win. The if bet. he dies of tuberculoma, I I lose the bet. Okay, but no, okay. but I I don't know if you win the bet. I win he, the bet. He still died. I think we just. I think that should cancel it out at that point. Our bet was based on him being killed or something like that. I I just thought it, I thought one of them were, was gonna die, right? Like we we had Arthur, who's just strung out and and who has been kind of kind of on the spiral in the last season with with the way that you know he's been dealing with Linda's uh, talking to another man, <laughs> um, not even sleeping with him, just talking. Uh, and They're then talking Arthur, this is what they do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then in this season, we just have like so much happened at the end of the last season. Like, I mean, Tommy walked off into a field. He just about shot himself in the head. Mm, he would have yeah. if, if uh, Lizzie didn't empty the bullets from his gun, right? So, I mean, mm. there, there's – and on top of that, he was already extremely suicidal in the last season. He was extremely suicidal. He had visions coming in. He about, hasn't been very suicidal Grace. since the Not whole – Not this season. Last season he was. This one he's been less suicidal because he's been yeah. more clear of mind. But at the same time – Everything still up to season five here, to me, still feels like things are spiraling out of control and Tommy is just doing the best he can to grasp on to anything and everything that he can. And I don't think it's going to be enough. I just don't think it's going to be enough. Okay. All right. Well, look. It can't be a movie without Tommy <laughs> Shelby. <laughs> but maybe the next episode is the movie. No, right? it's not. That's a cop out. That's your like. That's know. the equivalent of my Al Capone. But all right, fine, whatever, whatever. I, I, I don't want any, any of them to die. I just, I, I don't know how how it's gonna turn out. I want if, some blue label Johnny Walker. No, we're gonna go half. Have to go half and half. <laughs> <in that. laughs> I, say we, I say we do it. So we do it. We'll combine the bets and go half and half on that. Hey, I'm down for that. That sounds good. All right, cool. I think that's a good plan. Um, <laughs> celebrate a little for bit. For one of them. For one of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. For one bottle, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think in the next episode, I think I'm on to something with what I was saying. It's just something that I came to mind. There's something poetic about everybody kind of avenging their loved one. Mm-hmm. Tommy calls out Alfie. Uh, yeah. let's set up the players here Tommy calls out Alfie earlier in the season saying what are they going to think he calls out first and foremost saying like you, you can't put out another man's cigarette mm-hmm. you know he's calling him out like hey look you've since you have died quote unquote you've yeah. become a shell of yourself Yep. what are people going to think when they find out that you're alive and you did nothing when your uncle was killed by this man in Boston mm-hmm. so Alfie has to kill Jack Nelson in Boston yeah. Okay, or London. I don't give a shit where it happens, but he's got to kill him. Two, Laura Swain is the true one to, to blame for Polly's death. Yeah. Okay? It's not Tommy, okay? Uh, whether Michael wants to wrap his 
thick skull around that fact or not in the next episode is up to him because we know we have that shot of him in the teaser trailer in some gypsy-looking woods firing Mm -hmm. a machine gun. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's right. Okay, so that needs to happen somewhere, right? Now, personally, I think it makes most sense for Michael to kill Swain. But in the truer sense, Tommy is the true son of Polly. He's more of a son to Polly than Michael is. Mm-hmm. I think he, you know, I'm not going to say he loved her more, but, you know, I've never seen Tommy more devastated by a death than Polly's. Yeah, that right? was that was the Except worst. Except for his daughter. Well, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I think it's also valid for Tommy to kill Swain. So Swain has to die next episode. Now, we know historically Mosley and Diana Mitford were not murdered. Okay? Mm-hmm. However... If the creators of the show were to take a Tarantino-esque stance on history, no one's going to be mad if they killed Mosley and Diana Mitford. <laughs> I okay? don't think anybody in the world would be, would be mad. So that takes care of all of our characters here. I have no idea where Tommy's plan is going to come to fruition, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what the plan is. Mm-hmm. I just know that the players and his allies are Alfie, and his Jewish Hayden. army, Hayden Stag, and uh, I think that's it for now. I think so. I mean, his own men, obviously, but I think that's about it. We know the Peaky Blinders don't get along with the Italians, so it's definitely not going to be the Italians. No. And we know the Italians are on Jack Nelson's side. Yeah. So let's see what happens so it's a it's a complete cultural battle here right you got the jews versus the irish you got uh the irish and the italian it seems right mm-hmm. um i if i swear if al capone shows up in the next episode <laughs> it's not gonna happen you I never swear, know it's, it's there's a little bit of hope happen. there's a little bit of hope you never know. i don't know what you're holding on to at this point i don't see it we'll see but the series ends with a knock on the door and Churchill smoking a cigar and he comes and spends the night with the family in Birmingham. That's what's going to happen. And I will um, be very disappointed if Churchill is not a major point in the next episode. Does Carl take any active stance in the family business? Because he sure seems like he's like the most... I, I still put him above Duke, to be honest with you. I mean, he's shown the most interest in tommy i think and the business well maybe maybe not so much the business specifically just just in tommy and what he does it always looks like he's been like he wants to be him Mm. oh man i can't wait all right zach um i think that's about it for today's episode or tonight's episode uh sorry we got last week's episode out so late to you all but uh it was just a busy week. I was like, yes. I was saying, I was wrapping a production. Zach was, I think I was more the bottleneck last week, but Zach was also busy earlier yeah. in the week. But I, I know I, I was probably the reason, the blame on that. <laughs> but, um, and then I would love to do like a prediction episode, but I feel like we've covered most of it. And I don't want to just like, I think so as well. I, I almost don't think it. it's worth it. We're just going to yeah. be rambling the same things that we now, just ramble now. I do want to make an announcement here, Zach, with your, uh, with your co-permission on the... Uh, you you on have my permission. I know it's, what you're going to say. I'm just speaking off the cuff here. would like to announce that we're going to be doing a show called uh, Working Title Movie Club. I don't know what it's going to be. Movie Club mm-hmm. by Story Archives. 
something along those lines where we're going mm-hmm. to have a the format I'm playing around with in my head is going to be that we'll either pick and curate a film list and we'll announce the film on our social media or whatever, or you'll mm-hmm. be surprised each week because if there's not enough people who are actually keeping tabs, then it doesn't really matter. But <laughs> it would be cool to do it in such a way that the audience who's listening can have enough time to watch the film mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about. And we're going to do a, a kind of similar structure thing where we just talk about a film. I kind of want to do eventually a three-person pa- thir- three panel where we have a revolving third person mm-hmm. as our guest um for these uh movie talks yeah but we'll do a, a like a in-depth kind of just recap breakdown of a, of movies and just do that um you know once or twice a month as we mix in around other shows that we're doing and uh other type recap podcast series that we do right mm-hmm. so anyways keep an eye out for that we're gonna actually release a trailer for that show and decide on a first film. That's a big deal. We got to choose a first film. Yeah, we do have to choose. Dang. I and, know we started a list, but we really do need yeah. to sit down and choose it. And as I've mentioned before, and I mentioned this more in season one, we're a young podcast network. So if you re- send an email, we will receive it and we will read it. 100% guaranteed. In mm-hmm. fact, you'll be the first of the emails that's ever come through and be completely humble about that. <laughs> so if you have a, f- a film that you would love and you're interested in movie club, and you want us to uh, to do, unless you choose like an absolute awful film, which I may even be obliged to just, if anybody sends an email with a movie suggestion for us to use as the f- inaugural movie that we review and watch, feel free to email us on Zach's epic outro to the email that he provides. Mm-hmm. And um, perhaps we'll do it. I think I would just be, it would be humorous to, ch- to do whatever the hell you guys put out there, as, you know, as long as it's not absolute dog shit. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but even if it is, maybe we'll make it the end. It might role. be fun enough. Whatever. You never know. Anyways, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Zach, I'm going to look on my phone while you do your outro. Perfect. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Peaky Blinders podcast by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. You can visit our Instagram page at Story Archives, and you can visit our website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange, which brings us into our podcast network. Uh, you can visit the podcast uh, network website there, themidnightexchange.com. Uh, and you can drop us an email at podcast at the midnight exchange. So send us any thoughts that you have. And other than that, we will see you in the season finale. And if we don't see you, will Will Smith slap you across the face <laughs> on the next episode? Nah, just kidding. But can't wait for the next finale, Zach. The road is ending, man. I know. It's coming to it's an so end. sad. It's sad. <laughs> By order of the Peaky Blinders. By order of the Peaky Blinders. Thank you all. We'll see you next week on the final episode of Peaky Blinders. It kind of hurts to say. It hurts. It hurts, honestly. I'm going to have to rewatch this whole series again. All right, y'all. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good night, morning, or afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this. All right. Take care. Peace. Peace.